and welcome to the second episode of Rent Free. Today I'm joined by Stores South, a Yukon Twitter personality who started his tweeting back in 2016 and continues to grow and add new followers today. Stores creates everything from tweets and original content on there to highlight videos recapping Yukon football, men's and women's basketball games. We dive into a variety of topics, including his Yukon fandom history background with the university, the New York-UConn relationship, and more. We also get his thoughts on the current UConn football team, as well as the upcoming coaching search is going to take place. Stores offers a few names, as well as the characteristics of the type of coach he would like to see. Without further ado, Store South. Stores, how are we doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Really excited to talk tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is going to be uh, a lot of fun. So we're going to dive into a couple of different topics related to, to UConn and store style specifically. We're going to get some history on his fandom and how he became involved with UConn as a school and, and when he started sort of paying attention to the Huskies. We'll also get a dive into some of his favorite moments uh, from UConn as a whole and also on the football side specifically when the Twitter account started and some background on that and get some information on how he started video uh, coordinating and video editing. And then lastly, we'll get some thoughts on the current UConn team and, and the coaching search. So stores, if you, if you want to just sort of dive into it, walk me through some of the the history of yourself as a UConn fan. When did you sort of start? When did you, you know, become a fan of the Huskies and what made you sort of want to, want to stick with us? Yeah, absolutely. So what I would say is that I, so I'm first, I'm, I, I am an alum of the university and I did grow up great. in Connecticut, but um, I would say my fandom of the school really did not come around until actually, you know, stepping on campus, even though I grew up in Connecticut, it just wasn't a huge part. I grew up in Fairfield County. So it was, it just, it, you know, there are parts of, of that part of the state there where UConn is pretty big, but just where I was, it, it wasn't quite as much. So I, I have some memories of watching the team in 04 and 06, but really once I stepped onto campus as a student, that's when, I mean, the basketball team, both basketball yeah. teams just absolutely on fire and so I mean it's it's hard not to get swept up just in the craze and all the success and everything so that's what really kind of you know it made me really a, a diehard UConn fan absolutely and you know for me I I was a kid from from North Carolina coming up to school there and you know in 2011 when I was going to school that was you know the, still the old Big East and I yeah. remember watching the year before I came I mean the Huskies were in the Fiesta Bowl as a football team and they just won the national championship in men's basketball so I mean it was pretty impossible to walk around campus and not be excited about the athletic department yeah absolutely it doesn't get much better than that and, and certainly you know you, you mentioned the national championship so i i was there in houston in 2011 so i mean that was just <laughs> that's awesome once, once you get a taste of just you know the pinnacle of the sport it's it's hard to let that go and so you're just always kind of looking for you know where when it's going to happen again and how how to get there Absolutely. What, I guess, let me ask you about that. So you mentioned that you were, you know, in person at the final four and in Houston and got to see the Huskies cut down the nets. Obviously that's got to be close to the top of the list of your favorite memories as a UConn fan, right? Oh yeah. That's, that's certainly up there. I, I, I do think though, and it's, it's kind of strange to not say being at a national championship is the peak of your fandom in, as far as UConn sports go, but it's really close, and I don't know. I, I it gun to my head. I may say that the 2014 Elite Eight game against Michigan State. Yeah, Madison, yeah, MSG was just electric. 
I, I mean, that, that arena that day was, I, I don't even, you know, I was there in 2010 for that game in Gamble Pavilion against Texas. And those are really the two moments I can think of where the crowd was about as electric as it's ever been in any sport, any arena. I, I, I dare anyone to find an occasion where that challenge, just how loud and crazy everyone in the building was. I mean, UConn took over that building. And yeah. I, I've been to Knicks games. I've been to Rangers games. I've been to tons of sporting events. And they get pretty crazy in there, especially playoff time. But I don't think it's ever come close to what, a, what I experienced that day. No, I mean, obviously we all saw the garden this past year with the, all the Trey Young stuff during the Knicks stuff. And, you know, that was loud, but I nothing will ever match what we heard when, when the Huskies were there for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight in 2014. Incredible. I mean, it was, I remember, you know, for me, like I said, coming up from North Carolina, you know, I maybe didn't have the understanding of what the relationship between UConn and New York City really was. And, um, I was fortunate enough to to see both that and the UConn football versus Army game at Yankee Stadium, and obviously that was a much less raucous crowd. But you know, even then, just seeing the you know seeing the subways filled with UConn fans, you know, headed into the city, and just seeing what really the impact is from from UConn in New York, it's it was really a special thing for me as somebody who was out of the region who maybe didn't have that same appreciation coming in. It was really cool to see that you know once I got there. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll be honest, I don't think I even had a full appreciation for it, um, even when I was in school. Like I, yeah. I now, now I live in New York City, and okay. having lived here for some time now, I mean, really, where I kind of saw it on full display was, I mean, and of course, not as much of a happy moment, but when uh, in 2016, when they were playing Kansas in the round of 32 in the uh, NCAA tournament for men's basketball, yep. UConn took over. Uh, I forget what street it was in. I want to say it was in like the East Village or something, wherever the okay. the bar, like the designated UConn bar in the city was, took over. Van Diemen's? It, it, so it was Van Diemen's, but also there were other bars too because yeah. they, because UConn fans you know, filled up Van Diemen's, had to go to another bar across the street, filled up that bar. It was it was just insane. I mean, unfortunately, the game was awful, but but everything else was just really cool and to kind of see like, wow, there are like a lot of alumni here in the city, and it was just a really cool moment. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I guess one of the things that we should – transition into you mentioned msg being you know a yukon haven and obviously that's gotten the nickname store south and that's the the nickname that uh you know your twitter account currently sponsors when did you kind of know you wanted to start uh, a yukon twitter account and i'll pause there and i'll let you answer that and then we'll yeah. Yeah, when, 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 did you, when did you know you wanted to start a yukon twitter account yeah, that's already a loaded question. I mean, of course, I'll I'll must always give credit to legendary Bill Raftery for the the yep. monitor store South, which he, I know he certainly gave during that that 2014 Elite Eight game at MSG against Michigan State for men's basketball, and I believe he's done it on a couple other times too, maybe during the Iowa State game, Sweet Sixteen. So always got to give credit to Bill Raftery for that. But I would say, and it's obviously ironic enough in the timing with. Big 12 expansion, but I would say that the that first go around of Big 12 expansion back in 2016, that's when uh, it, it kind of felt like the right moment to go from just being just a kind of more passive fan on on Twitter to like let's kind of make an account out of this and kind of see where yeah. it goes. And so I was kind of you know reading different articles going on, posting interesting things about it, and it kind of just snowballed from there into becoming the you know a much bigger entity in and of itself. Do you remember 
like some of your first tweets or some of the first things that got you to to tweet on that account? I remember some of the bigger the bigger posts that I remember from that period that I think really kind of started to really build it up a little bit more. And one of it was, um, I, I believe it's the New York Times or maybe it's the Wall Street Journal. One of the two. Every year they post a sort of estimated value of the brand for each. Uh, yep college's football program and their men's basketball program. And so at the time, I was like, hey, we have all these lists of expansion candidates for the Big 12. Why don't we just add all the numbers up together for what's the value of all these schools' basketball programs and their football programs? And I just kind of tweeted out the results from an Excel table. And at the top, it was UConn was number one and USF was number two. And (laughs) it's pretty funny considering where things are today. It really is pretty crazy. (laughs) Did you like... One of the biggest questions I had, you know, and for those that don't know, I had previously run a UConn football related account, UConn football facts, and that sort of also took off at one point. But my question to you is really more about, did you even have an understanding of just how passionate UConn fans were on Twitter? Because I know I had no idea until I started my account. I think I had a little bit of a flavor of it. I had already kind of followed a bunch of other UConn fans on Twitter at the time, but I definitely was not nearly like maybe I was had 10% of the activity that I do today yeah. and would be a, a generous estimate. So I think I had a, an idea, but certainly over the years, I mean, we've, it's really kind of evolved a lot. And I, yeah, think, I think, I think realignment too, you know, put a big, yeah, it, so, it was, yeah, it was like, t- like lighting a match inside of a gas station. Yeah. There's something about realignment and, I, and I'm guilty of this as well, that really just gets everyone just, you know, the juices flowing in terms of like, Oh, what about this scenario? What about that? It can affect this. So what about 2035 of that? Like it's, it, you know, it basically really gets you going down the rabbit hole looking like Charlie day with the, you know, all the different, you know, drawings and the lines up on the board. That's crazy. <laughs> That's really funny. When, uh, so I guess kind of like along those lines, when did you sort of realize that you had, you had something, you had, your account had sort of blown up or, or grown up into, you know, this sort of bigger than just a, you know, a guy with a Twitter account sort of deal. I honestly don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> Just, you know, yeah. even this day, I'm like, do I have I, I, I don't even know if I would really describe that I've made it today. And, and, yeah. Just for the fact that like, all right, so like, I, I don't even know what the follower count is. I assume it's like around five or 6,000. So it's like, okay, that's like, pre- that's pretty good size. Um, I know there are certainly other UConn accounts that have more. There are others that have less, but have better interactions. Like all, like, all these things that I'm kind of looking at all the time, just in assessing how to make my account better and more interesting to fans. So I don't know if I would really, I don't know if I would necessarily describe that I've made it as, but, but it's uh, so, and certainly once I got to like a point where I saw like people were following me and weren't really looking for a follow back. And maybe that came around yeah. 2000, 3000, where I was like, Oh, like there's like actually people that want to, you know, see what I have to say. And like, they're not, they're not just asking for something in return necessarily, except just to kind of hear my thoughts or kind of see the videos. Do you, speaking of the videos, when did you first create like one of your hype videos? I mean, they're awesome. I look forward to them before every football and basketball season. And I know obviously it's a lot of work to do and it's not easy to compile all the clips, especially when your team doesn't play a season in 2020. When, when did you start getting into some of the video editing stuff? And, and has that always been something you've done or is that a more recent thing for you? 
to be honest, I, I mean, I had some experience as a, as a kid kind of playing around with making movies with friends and stuff and you know, I movie or whatever. Yeah. But, but really, I mean, as far as like sports highlights and videos and things like that, I would, <laughs> I had no experience prior to this. And so, so, I mean, like it's, it was definitely a totally new foray in, for me. And, and really I would say the videos started right around the same time as big 12 expansion. So, I mean, one of the initial kind of thoughts about the Twitter account is about just making sure that the videos and the Twitter account go hand in hand. It's all about just kind of making sure one is tied to the other and, and vice versa. It's just really to kind of, you know, draw attention to like, Hey, like I'm spending a lot of time putting these videos together. I want to make sure that they're seen. And so build up that follower account, you know, build up interest and try and get people to, you know, see if they're interested in your videos and see if it's, you know, something of interest to, you know, the fan base. Do you, do you find that people are reaching out to you asking like, Hey, where's the, where's the highlights from this? Or where's the, you know, hype video for that? Or when can we expect this to to get posted online? Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I wouldn't say it's, uh, it's an overwhelming number, but it's certainly enough where, um, you know, just in terms of competing with your, you know, your actual day job where you're like, Oh, I actually probably should get on that. But, uh, yeah. You know, a couple of things coming up here. This might have to be put on hold for a little bit. So it's it's always a uh, a bit of a juggling act in terms of uh, just kind of balancing out, you know, two different lives in that regard. I, I, I want to dive into that a little bit because I think that's a really fascinating concept that, you know, maybe a lot of people don't necessarily think of when they log into Twitter, right? You know, on Twitter, you are Store South, Yukon fan, you know, video creator, content creator. But obviously, you also got you know a professional side and a, and a personal side you know to you as well. How difficult is it to sort of balance that act where you know you're one of those accounts that is sort of expected to react to things that happen on the Yukon Twitterverse now? Yeah, I, it's some days it's it's definitely easier than others. That's for sure. Um, yeah. it, I can I can think back to so many different times where you know, need to get on a plane to go travel somewhere, even if it's, you know, whether it's personal or, or, or for business and, you know, you may be gone for a couple hours and, you know, you've missed, you missed the world. Right. I mean, yeah. all, 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 all of a sudden the big 12 is not expanding. Yeah. You know, exactly. like that. I mean, the, the example I can, I'll even give like a really silly example from, from t- just today. Right. So, so today is, is September 20th for the, you know, depending on when you're going to post this. Right. And there was, the the big hoopla today was about that the football coaching staff is getting let go at the end of the season, which is just which like obviously yeah like obviously. formality of course right? right yeah but but because there is a you know notorious reporter out there who of a a rival fan base who just constantly kind of play pretends to be a journalist and just loves hating on the program put it out there as if it's breaking news and so you know I was I was in the middle of like running a call for like an hour and you come back and you're like what's going on here? Why is like the entire room right. on fire? You know, it's uh, right at like community when Donald Glover walks into the room and like, you know, he has the pizza and the whole room is on fire. And everyone's yeah. going crazy. It, like it, it feels like that all the time. And, and that's it walking away for one hour. So it's, it, it, you know, a lot of the time it's, you know, you're able to kind of keep like one eye on it. Um, but other times, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And you'll have people kind of reaching out to you. Did you see this? Did you see that? I mean, when, you know, like you said before, when's the video coming and, and you, you know, you already put a lot of pressure on yourself because you, you know, a lot of times, I mean, this is by and large, I wouldn't do this if it was, if it wasn't fun, right. It's a lot of fun to keep up with the story. So it's a lot of fun to put out the videos, right? I mean, I could go into a whole different, you know, a whole nother tangent about why I even 
started making videos to begin with. That's a whole nother story and stuff. So, I mean, it's all fun to do, but there are certainly those those moments where it's like, wow, what did I get myself into here? Well, you know, I, I think it's so interesting because like you said, you have sort of evolved this into more than I'm just going to post some thoughts on Twitter like you sort of originally thought when you were, you know, created the account, right? And so now you're doing all this other multimedia and this content creation and you've grown a, a legitimate brand and it's awesome to see. And I mean, I know my, myself, even personally, like, you know, when the games, you know, the highlights get posted from a basketball game at, you know, whatever time in the middle of January on, you know, 1 a.m. or whatever, it's like, it's, it's gotta be very fun to do, but I can also see where it would really be taxing to try to balance that with other, you know, personal activities that are going on. As well. Right. I mean, but you just hit on it though, about why I even got into this to begin with. I mean, it's, Going back to, I think you're kind of like the origin story we were talking before, right? I mean, I think back to like that 2015-16 season for basketball where the the athletic department was really good at putting these highlight videos out for every game. And, uh, you know, TCF, which is another popular yeah. Twitter, uh, UConn Twitter and YouTube account, he's he's fantastic. I mean, he... He, he does so much work with, with yeah. UConn Multimedia. It's incredible. The guys. I want to give a shout out. Yeah, I want to give a shout out, by the way, for those that don't know, UConnHuskyGames.com. You can go watch any previous season basketball, men's and women's, or football. And I believe they also have some hockey and baseball as well on there. Any game from previous seasons, uh, primarily the last 15 or so years, but they may have some older stuff as well on there. But UConnHuskyGames.com. Shout out to TCF15. He's got great stuff. Yeah. And so, I mean, just all of that really kind of inspired me to like, hey, these videos are great. But after a while, I just kind of noticed they weren't getting posted anymore. Or when they were posted, they were kind of abridged versions of the game. And I was like, I what I want personally is I want the highlights posted not too long after the game because yep. I'm impatient and I want them soon. And, and the other thing is, I don't want to miss a single basket. I don't want to miss a single great play. So basically the, the, you know, the basic guidelines that I've followed for about five years now is if it's basketball, men's or women's, every basket is getting posted. Mm-hmm. Every great defensive play is getting posted. It's all getting posted. The intro to the game, the, like the whole thing, right? Yeah. I, that's just what I want to see. That way it's coming out in a timely fashion and it's going it, to, it's it's perfect for anyone whether or not you saw the game or not you get to see the whole it's basically a condensed version of the game just with the highlights of your team and it's going to all be there in a condensed five to seven minute window i mean i i honestly can't tell you how much i appreciate you doing that because like i said as somebody that lives out of state you know i i definitely don't see every game or i definitely don't you know regardless of what channel it's on or who they're playing or whatever, the reality is with basketball, you know, there's 30 some odd games in a season. And then plus you get the NCAA tournament. And the reality is, you know, like we've mentioned, you're either going to have to be traveling or you're going to have to be working or you're going to have to be doing whatever. And your highlights have definitely allowed for me to keep up with the program. Even if I don't see a game, I feel like I really get the whole thing in the condensed version. So no, I definitely appreciate you doing that. And I think the format is something that, is different, like you like you said earlier, than what you get from a lot of athletic department generated videos. I mean, even when we were in the AAC, I remember the American would post sort of those composite or compiled highlights 
and they were always four or five minutes long. And I mean, they were, they were fine, but you know, to your point, it didn't necessarily capture what me as a Yukon fan, what I was looking for. Um, and so I think your, your content's been, been fantastic. And, and I love to hear that. I mean, I, I get that on occasion and whenever I do, I, I honestly just, it, it, you know, just from one fan to another, I just really appreciate it. And, and that's yeah. how I got into this. Like I was, you know, I was looking for content that didn't exist. And so I just started creating it just purely just out of, you know, the love of the program and the team and the different teams involved. And so, uh, you know, I really enjoy hearing that. Uh, so do people funny. do people ever tell you? I'm sure they do. Like, oh, when are you going to go work for the athletic department? Like, I'll give uh, I think it's eight six zero productions uh, a shout out. That that was a Twitter account that was creating highlight videos, it's and I think now is working That's directly great. with the the football team. I mean, it's been awesome to follow and watch watch them do what they're doing. But I'm sure people have asked you the same question. You know, when are you going to go work for the athletic department, or do you want to get into this and do this full time? Is that something that interests you at all? I haven't heard too much of that, to be honest. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I've heard it on occasion, though. I'm I surprised by that. Yeah, because your content's really good. I'm just surprised. Yeah, I, no, I've, I've definitely heard it a little bit. I probably don't hear it as much just because I think I've probably told a lot of folks, like, it's, it's not going to happen. No, I feel like, honestly, what I'm doing, it's not a... Um, it's not particularly unique in terms of, like, the skill set or anything. Like, it, you don't need me to to bring what I'm developing to the table. Like they, yeah. the if they, if they wanted to, they could very easily hire someone tomorrow who could probably do a much better job than I could of putting videos out there and, and get it posted to their account. That's just something that they choose not to do. And that's fine. I would, uh, if, if I was, you know, to kind of consult them, I would probably say they should probably start doing it. And, you know, I can probably, you know, show them the entirety of the account, however many videos are on there, the millions and millions of views, because the account does have up to, you know, a couple million views now that that's, you know, yeah. essentially views that they've foregone by, you know, not really right. letting this go by the wayside. Let me, let me pivot into, so we've talked about Twitter and we've talked about video. Obviously there's a very famous Yukon message board as well, the Boneyard. Let me ask you about the Boneyard. Are you an active poster on there? Do you ever go there for discussion or content, or do you get your fill by logging into Twitter? I would definitely say I get way more of my fill from Twitter because I just feel like it's a much uh, <laughs> how do how do I say it? it's a much cleaner and and more insightful. <laughs> it's version. not often that you hear people talk about Twitter and say it's a cleaner space. It 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 generally is though, and that's partially a product of. You know, Twitter has lots of different great tools at your disposal. Yeah. So you don't, you certainly don't have to see the things you really don't want to see. You don't have to deal with the accounts that you don't want to deal with. So just because I think of that element that you're able to really kind of make it a much more focused sort of view on what people are thinking out there and the content they're posting. And so I think just based on that alone, but it, certainly been on the boneyard quite a bit and active there. And, and there's a lot of interesting stuff that'll come out of it. You know, a lot, a lot of the times, you know, the information that, that you're reading on there is, is pretty bad and it's not reliable, yeah. but, but, you know, from time to time there are, you know, if you've been there enough, you, you know, the folks to kind of take seriously and have been yeah. proven right time and time again. And so when you hear those kind of folks talk to you, you know, you definitely, you know, really take those kinds of uh, messages seriously since there's actually, <laughs> There's actually something to to be had there. Absolutely, chief confirmed. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I want to I want to pivot. Um, obviously, I, I've sort of mentioned in passing, you know, my my interest in the UConn football team specifically, and um, 
you know, it's, it's for me growing up in the Southeast and growing up, you know, I was born in the Midwest and I grew up going to football games at, at Mizzou and Nebraska. That's been an, you know, a college football has been a huge part of my life forever. And when I came to UConn, you know, I adopted UConn as a, as a team of my own and it's been very tough. So I want to, I want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, the current team and just sort of what you've seen through the first three games of the season. <laughs> I had to really think about that. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I could say, I mean, I'm, you know, I guess misery loves company, right? I'm sorry you had to adopt them as uh, one of yeah. them. <laughs> because, for, because for me, it's my, it's the only team I care about. I will, you know, I, I will say just as kind of a sidebar, I am a, when it comes to college sports, I'm just an extremely spiteful fan. And so what I mean by that is like, we'll think back to the end of like the Kevin Ollie area and era in basketball. Yeah. When UConn was going bad, I did not watch a single minute of college hoops at that point, just because I don't want, I don't even want to touch the sport at that point. No, so, yeah. Now the same thing with college football. Now that UConn is just horrendously awful, which I guess now is starting to answer your question. I just will not absorb any other type of college football content in any way shape or form i just can't be near it i'm just so repulsed by it all so. i don't i don't blame you i feel like every article i i open there's some sort of jab at the program or some you know somebody's yeah. taking a shot for whatever reason and it just it just makes your blood boil it's ridiculous yeah um i think to despite- answer your question i was gonna say like to answer your question it's 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 just unbelievable we've somehow gotten to this point where showing progress against the second and third team of a game is is progress like yeah when when i was a student and again now it's like you know when i was a kid like it's, it's i'm really dating myself here but i mean it was only a decade ago that you would go to games and like some of my favorite memories was you know seeing you know robert griffin the third and that baylor team come into the rent and you know speaking of like incredible atmospheres like we talked about before i mean the rent was was on a rocking chair to quote incredible Jeremy. yeah In- incredible experience i mean it's you know that for a lot of people that you know have issues with the stadiums off campus you know which is obviously not ideal just kind of being in an airfield in east hartford that venue when it's packed and they got something to cheer for it is it's an awesome experience and it's oh like, it's incredible it's tragic to it's tragic just to see where the program has fallen i mean like i would be like just thrilled if they won two games this year like that is uh, yeah as somebody with a, somebody with a vested interest in them winning two games i would be ecstatic if that <laughs> happens so um so no i i we can I, I i do want to dive into this a little bit more just the, the state of the program as a whole because it's so interesting to me i i've pointed this out on twitter a few times but you know when they first hired randy edsel back the full coaching staff budget for the football program, 11 coaches, full-time coaches, was actually less money allocated than the men's basketball program. And I'm not, this is, I'm not saying this to disparage the men's basketball program. I think the men's basketball program is adequately funded. I'm more showing that to say that's how little resources the school had committed to the football program where 11 people could possibly be paid less than four. And to me, and I'd love to get your thoughts because, you know, we're obviously going to go through a coaching search and we can dive into that more in a second too. But what has just sort of your assessment of the commitment that the administration has made to the program the last call it four or five years 
has that been there? Do we, what do they need to do more? Sort of what do you think, I guess, the last sort of four or five years from an administrative standpoint has looked like? Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen you make that call out before and I, I completely agree that that's, um, I think to your point, it's not a comment on the amount of investment in the men's basketball program. And, and for that matter, that, the, you know, the university is also spending more money than any other university around in women's basketball. Like that's, yeah. that, if the, that's the school's that's bread. Great. They, the yeah. funding there is perfect. Don't change anything about it, right? The, we would like to see continued success in both those departments. So I think your point is is well taken that that's that's fine. But the problem is that football is underfunded, right? And it's yeah. I think it's you know I think it maybe it's a product of a couple things, right? I mean, talking about getting under out under the Diaco buyer, talking about just the current state of the the AD, just with with the current deficit, right? All these things kind yeah. of roll into it together, but. I think even just beyond the the salary pool, I mean, there are just, I think, other sort of undercurrents that really drive at the success of the program overall and just the general health. And I, this, these are things I've certainly called out in, in various public forums. But the thing that, one of the things that really disheartens me is seeing, um, obviously, one alumni of the program get it, who got pushed yeah. out, you know, kind yeah. of. I don't think they take joy in seeing the program at fault. I think they do, though, very much take joy in seeing a, you know, the coaches that push them out failing and failing in spectacular yeah, fashion. Being held responsible. Yeah. Right. That's one. And the other is is seeing um, a lot of current recruits or former Connecticut recruits, really just that Connecticut high school scene, seeing uh, at current or former coaches who just relish in in the failure of this program because of current or former coaching staffs who have not made adequate investment both in the public and in the private school scene from a football perspective in the state like that's a problem right and yeah. I'm, I'm in any way suggesting that UConn should run out a you know 85 scholarship team of just Connecticut kids that is in no way shape or no. suggesting that would not probably not go well and that's not an indictment of of Connecticut high school football, it's more an indictment of that UConn wouldn't be able to get every sort of FBS quality kid in Connecticut to come to UConn at this point in time, unfortunately. So I think all of that really coming together is, you know, the adequate, the inadequate investment, I should say, in the program on top of the inability to really invest in the state and, and the inability to properly, you know, embrace the kids that are already in the program when a coach comes in, right? It's, uh, it's all these things, right? The terrible hires, the lack of investment, like it all rolls into it. If you made a better investment in the program, you maybe don't have such bad hires. And if you had yeah. hires and maybe they would, you know, be more attentive to the kids already in the building and the potential kids that are in your backyard, it all kind of rolls in together. I, I couldn't agree with you more about being able to recruit your own backyard. I have said for years the one position i cannot believe that has not been created in the recruiting staff on the football side is a director of prep school relations i just can't believe it doesn't exist connecticut is filled with great football at these prep schools and we see it uconn's gotten kids their current quarterback is from avon old farms i mean you you see these kids that come out of the state of Connecticut that attend these prep schools. And for whatever reason, we just have never developed the relationship with the coaches there or the players there. 
Avon Old Farms being the exception and maybe, you know, Capital Prep and Hartford as well. But I think for UConn to really make that next step in road in the state of Connecticut with the true FBS level players that are in the state, they've got to find a way, whoever the next staff is, to get involved in the prep schools there. It's the only way you can possibly get them to to come to campus. Yep. I, I would completely agree with that. And I also, I think just like to see a little bit more modernization with the the social media presence of the program too. I think it's, oh my God. I think it's fine. Right. It's, it's, it's basically a check the box activity right now, but I think it could certainly see an improvement. However, at the same time, I, I don't think you really want to showcase the program too much in the current state either. So well, I, I, yeah, but I'll just say, I mean, I'll just say even since Spanos has taken over, like it's been so refreshing to get on Twitter and just see practice clips or just see guys being excited and, and getting after each other. I feel like so much of the only content that we were seeing for such a long time was just this sort of negative you know, national or local writer reaction, you know, recycling the same sort of tired lines. And there was no video coming out. There was no, you know, program generated content coming out to combat any of that. And so it just sort of snowballed and spiraled. I do want to dive in and get your thoughts on the the rest of the season and what maybe could be, you know, exciting for you to watch. I know you said you're, you're tuned out of the rest of the college football world, but Obviously, Tyler Pumachan, you know, made his first start the other day and and actually was, you know, pretty fun to watch back there. You know, they didn't score in the first half, but I thought he made some great throws and then he had the touchdown run in the second half. I guess what's going to keep your eye for the rest of the season? Well, I think absolutely I agree with your assessment about Tyler P. I mean, the the one thing, though, I I feel terrible about Stephen Krzyzewski. I think just – Yeah. I I do feel bad for him. Not the – the way I would have wanted Tyler P to start getting looks in, in a live game. Um, I, I think the kid has absolutely grinded it out with the program. The fact he's still here, I think is fantastic. I, and I honestly, there were elements of his start against Purdue where I, uh, you know, similar to this start with Tyler P I was like, well, Hey, these are like some good throws. And like, this is, you know, it's, you know, not necessarily the arm that, that, uh, you know, Jack Zergiotis sports that he can throw right. absolute bomb. That was a, you know, a great throw versus Holy Cross. But what I mean, what I've seen with Krajewski is honestly what I've saw a lot with Tyler P, which is just a lot of really good throws in kind of like that middle tier that uh, I would say seven to 15 yard range that unfortunately Zergiotis just doesn't really have the accuracy for. Yeah. So, and so that's where, I, I really kind of liked what I saw with Tyler P and the only, I think difference, I, at least again, we're talking about really limited game reps here, right. but, but I mean, just in the short period. And again, a lot of this is against unfortunately second and third team guys is that right. Tyler P's mobility seems to be the best of the three and his athleticism is off the charts. And for a, an offensive line that unfortunately just doesn't seem to really have it against FBS competition or, and maybe on, at some point, even against FCS competition, I yeah. particularly enthused what I saw in the Holy Cross game. I mean, this he he might be like the difference maker to kind of overcome those struggles. He's the best athlete on the offensive side of the ball by far. It, it's not even close. When you start to, and that's not a knock on the other guys that are playing, but it's just when he was on the field on Saturday – it was a noticeable difference to me, the level of athleticism that he showed. And like the touchdown run is a great example. I mean, how many other players on the team, at least on the offensive side of the ball, 
do you like could you off the top of your head name that could break a tackle put one foot in the ground and just dart past everyone to the end zone i i haven't seen it and so you have to play your best athletes and i agree with you i think you know looking forward to the rest of the season obviously you know i can't believe there's as many games left as there are and i'm gonna watch all of them but I think watching him grow, like that is a reason to be hopeful and hopefully he continues to play well and develop and, and see some, some good playing around him. Yeah. And I, and I truly believe, you know, and I guess it's as, as difficult as it is to watch the games and even, you know, my Twitter feed may be, you know, pretty negative during the games and honestly, rightfully so. I, I don't really put much of this on the kids. I do really think there are some talented guys oh, so do I. I really I really do think there are a lot of talented kids on the roster I just think the coaching has been poor to non-existent especially during the last two years with COVID and everything that oh my god I, I don't know what what Edsel was doing but I, I I don't put much of any of this on the kids themselves I just think that they've kind of gotten the short end of the stick and Randy well, I mean I mean you you I don't want to I don't want to open this can of worms but you but you kick out you kick out Rhett Lashley and you promote your offensive line coach who's never called or developed plays in his life and then you know you have a terrible offense and then you take a year off and that's supposed to somehow improve that I just I just I can't even I can't even go down this road yeah um, I do have to ask for your help I've been trying to get the nickname for Tyler P the Bachelor. I've been trying to get that to stick. That is such a – there's Tyler C. from The Bachelor. I don't know if you're a Bachelor fan, but Tyler C. is a very famous Bachelor person, and they always have the first name and the last initial. And I think so many UConn fans are going to go with Tyler P., and I think that's a great nickname. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call on you right now. I, I need some assistance. We're going to get this to stick, The Bachelor, Tyler P. Maybe we'll do some Photoshop and stick his face on a, on a Bachelor contestant or something, but – that's what we're gonna do. I will be honest. I do not watch The Bachelor. However, I fully support <laughs> this move. So if, if thank we, you, if we want to make this movement a big thing, then I think let's roll with it. Let's do it. All right. My last my last question for you, and and this has really been fun. So thanks for for hopping on. Is the coaching search that's going to be a, you know underway? Just from a fan's perspective, like I'm not even going to ask you specific names of who you want. I, I mean, everybody's seen the list. Obviously Joe Moorhead would be amazing. And some of the other, you know, offensive minded names that have been mentioned, but like, what is just somebody's background that if they said the next UConn coach is blank, like what would get you excited? So I think, I think there's a couple things, right? I mean, first there, there, I, I do have a lot of criteria that I would like to see in the next head coach, but it's, it's also a matter of being realistic too, right? right? I mean, like for example, like the the head coach at you know JMU right now, which I believe is Kurt Signetti, like that's not realistic anymore. Like he's had no. too much success there. JMU's on the precipice of getting to the FBS level, like that's not realistic anymore. And the same yeah. goes for I believe it's Jamie uh, Chadwell, who's at Coastal Carolina. Again, way too much success at a uh, a pretty good G five school, right? I mean, they're not. I'm not saying Coastal Carolina has the resources or the facilities that UConn has, but he's already had way too much success there. He's probably thinking, you know, low P5 job as his next gig. 100%. So, and, and you mentioned Joe Moorhead. That's another one where, unfortunately, he he's had a great couple weeks there with Oregon. Not realistic anymore. So I think now that we've kind of <laughs> listed out some of the coaches that are just not realistic anymore in terms of what I'd like to see, 
first and foremost is has head coaching experience already. It's yeah. on the list for me, right? And yep. not just head coaching experience, but has shown the ability to take a program that historically doesn't have success and has made something of it, right? Taking something and really making it bigger than it was before, right? And I don't care if this is at a very low level FBS program in the G5. I don't care if this is at the FCS level. I need to see some of that because I, I feel more than anything, there is no situation that is really better encapsulates that concept than UConn at the moment, just because I think there are kids here. I just think they've been poorly coached and you have pretty much everything else you would want, right? You have great facilities. I hope that the athletic department is, would be conveying to any candidate. They have the buy-in from the administration and that there's a commitment to this long-term and, you know, the independent scheduling and all that. I would hope that there's all that there. And, and so it's really just a matter of someone who knows how to take talent and make better use of it than the guy before them. So that's, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. It's the best indicator of future success is past success. Right. Yep. And so any sort of level of success in proven history of running a program or running a, a successful program is going to be in, immensely valuable. Yep. And, and you mentioned like, even just the fact that, you know, UConn's facilities were updated as recently as 2019. I mean, the locker room is great. The practice facility is fantastic. Like the weight room is 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 one of the nicer ones I've ever seen. And I've toured, like I said, at SEC schools, and ACC schools, and Big Ten schools. I mean, it's it's really nice. Um, and and I think now it's just a matter of is the administration going to provide the reassurance, like you mentioned, the resources financially from both a, a head coaching and assistant pool standpoint that somebody can be successful here because everything else is in place. And and the one thing that you mentioned earlier when you were talking about the Rensselaer Field that I want to bring up again is just the state of Connecticut supports winning programs and teams. And by golly, I mean, the fact that 20,000 plus people showed up for, for Holy Cross, like, I mean, the team, there is, there, there is a big portion of this fan base that wants to see the football team succeed. And there are a lot of people that I think if this team were to start showing signs of progress and start showing that they are going to be competitive again, would show up again at the rent on Saturdays. I think you just got to give them a reason for hope. I, I will say, I, I believe I did see in an article after that, there was 21,000 tickets circulated, but I think only 7,000 made in the door. And I don't mean to be a negative Nancy, <laughs> no, but, I, but, he, but hear me out though, right? I actually, cause I, I took a similar takeaway, even knowing that bit of information. And that is that there are, you know, obviously, you know, the, the university is going to give away tickets and so on. They didn't give away though, 13,000 tickets. That's no. 13,000 people that want to invest in the program, but are not willing to show themselves through yeah. the door until there's a, just the tiniest bit of improvement. So, I, you know, obviously, like, it's not great to say we only had 7,000 people show up to a football game. But the fact that there were, you know, I'll take out a couple thousand, you know, still 17, 18,000 people that are willing to still invest in the program, that, that tells me just as much, right? Because at the end of the day, people are willing to put their money there. but it's that next level of getting people built back to now. Do you want to spend your time with us? Especially, I mean, exactly. college football games are, are absurdly long. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, they are. Sports and I even at times like will be like, "Wow, this game is going on for a while here. It takes up a yeah. long afternoon." No, I totally agree. Well, Stores, thanks so much for taking the time tonight. This has been an awesome conversation. I've really appreciated you breaking down 
you know, the history of your UConn fandom and the Twitter account and sort of the, the, the state of the program of the, the current football program. I've really enjoyed having you and it's been a fun conversation. So thanks for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Wow. What an awesome interview with Store South. I want to thank him again for coming on the podcast and offering great insights into the current state of UConn football and what he'd like to see out of his, you know, next head coach and what would get him excited, you know, for the future of the program. I also loved hearing about some of his memories and favorite times as a UConn fan and sort of how that fandom developed and, you know, touching on a variety of topics in between there as well. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. It's at Yukon Sixth Borough. That's at U C O N N, the number six T H Borough. That's B O R O U G H. Lastly, make sure you follow us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Rent Free Drew V. And we'll tweet out links to every episode as well as some reactions, you know, during live UConn football games and other sporting events as well. This was actually recorded before the Wyoming game, which I have to say, after watching yesterday, I could not be more encouraged and more happy of those guys. Obviously, it was a brutal loss with a two-point conversion pass getting batted down at the end of the game. But I think that's what everybody wants to see from the UConn football team, right? It's not even that they have to win every game. It's more so that we just want to see them compete and play hard and give everything they have. I mean, yesterday, UConn was rallying to the football. Jeremy Lucian played out of his mind. He had a crazy interception and felt like he was in on almost every play at one point. Miles Bell, you obviously hope he gets better, but he played a great game as well. And Tyler Pumachan has really been a noticeable difference at quarterback and provided, I think, a great spark of energy for the Huskies as they continue on this journey. And you know, if they continue to play like this, honestly, it's hard to not see them beating a couple teams on their schedule. They have a huge matchup this weekend on the road in Nashville at Vanderbilt, and we'll see what they can do there. But, I mean, if their first FBS win in multiple years is on the road over an SEC team, that's not exactly a, a, the worst thing in the world. So hopefully the Huskies can pull it out. In other college football news, I've got five words. Rank, wake, forest, you cowards. My Deacons went on the road on Friday night in Charlottesville and won by 20, 37 to 17 over Virginia. Sam Hartman looked great, tossing three touchdowns, throwing for 270 yards. And how about my guy A.T. Perry? This dude, every time I look up in the end zone, I feel like he's catching a ball and scoring another touchdown. The Deeks have a really good opportunity to really make something out of themselves coming down the stretch here. Their next game is against Louisville, and then they're on the road at Syracuse and at Army, who I think is very good. Then they're home against Duke. And if you start looking down the rest of their schedule, I mean, at UNC is actually a non-conference game, but UNC just lost to Georgia Tech yesterday, and they seem to be in kind of a a weird space. NC State just beat Clemson. That might be a, a decent challenge. And then the Deeks are on the road at Clemson, and then they finish the year at Boston College. I'm not saying that they're going to be undefeated and I'm not saying they're going to, you know, make a crazy push for the division or the conference or even the, you know, playoff or anything like that. But pay attention to my guys up in Winston-Salem. They've got an explosive offense. They've got a great quarterback and they've got a really fun athletic defense that flies around to the football. And honestly, as a season ticket holder, I can't wait to get back up to Truist Stadium and watch the Deeks play. Lastly, I will touch on my Nebraska Cornhuskers who just continue to find ways to rip my heart out what an absolutely brutal way 
to lose a football game. I mean, you outgain your opponent by 200 yards. Michigan State didn't have a single first down in the entire second half. In fact, Michigan State gained 16 total yards in the second half and won that football game because Nebraska's special teams is so bad. I don't understand. Scott Frost had four years to hire a special teams coordinator, and he just refuses to do it. And people keep tweeting out his record in, in one-possession games. He's 5-15 and 15 since getting to Nebraska in one-possession games. And it's the same story over and over again. No matter how much we outgain teams by or, you know, do other things better than them, Special teams has consistently cost Nebraska games, and the fact that Scott is not willing to make a change and hire a full-time special teams coach, it's just been driving me insane. I just can't even believe he hasn't hired a full special teams coach yet. So that will be coming in the offseason. There will be some other staff shakeups in the offseason. Offensively, the team's still kind of a wreck. Um, there's guys that are wide open that you know the quarterback's just not finding. But, I mean, you, bottom line, if you outgain somebody – by 200 yards on the road you you know hold them to two of 10 on third down conversions they don't get a single first down in the second half and they have 16 total yards of offense you're supposed to win that game simple as that well that was a heck of a college football weekend and obviously i'm you know very happy with the results from yukon and wake forest you can tell my patience with nebraska is wearing thin I'm actually headed out to Lincoln this week to watch Nebraska and Northwestern play each other 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night, and I'm pretty excited. Bringing my girlfriend out to Lincoln for the first time and going out there with my brother and one of his friends as well, so should be an exciting time, and hopefully I can get some, some good memories and actually watch a win for once instead of having to suffer through another Nebraska loss where they outgain their opponent and somehow find a way to lose the game. Regardless of the result, I'm sure it'll be a fun trip, and I'm excited to get back on a plane and start flying around again and going to college football games in person. It's just been such a fun thing to live through this season after what we went through last year, and I'm glad that not only myself, but everyone else has been able to get to games and go to stadiums and enjoy the experience as well. Until next week, thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe and rate us in Apple Podcasts. Thanks, and we'll chat next week.